Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Forget What You Think You Know podcast. I'm Esther Barrett, a graduate on the National Graduate Development Scheme for Local Government. So far, I've seen a bit of the workings behind councils and what they can do, but I want to delve a bit deeper. In this episode, I want to bring you on my journey to find out more about councils, the general perceptions that surround them, what they actually do for communities, and why voting in the upcoming local elections is so important. In my first stop on the podcast, I'm starting close to home. I want to find out what my friends and family think about local government. When I think of councils, I think about schools, libraries and local communities. Housing, organisation and repairs. Tax, potholes and housing. Our community, services, parks. Perceptions around councils and the work they carry out can be mixed. But is this fair? Due to the pandemic, we have spent more time in our local areas than ever before. They've never been more important. Councils who look after them are now in the spotlight and the upcoming elections provide people with a say on things in their local areas that they want changing. This year's local elections are the biggest for a generation. Every community across the country should have an election of some sort in their area on the 6th of May. But why should people bother to turn out? Apart from emptying our bins, what do councils actually do for us? What's my council tax paying for? It's time to forget what you think you know about councils. In my first interview, I caught up with Councillor Peter Fleming, Local Government Association spokesperson and leader for Sevenoaks District Council in Kent, to find out a bit more. Councillor Fleming, thank you for speaking with me today. I'd like to begin by learning about how you first became involved with local government. So how did I get involved? Almost entirely by accident. Um, So I was uh, asked to stand for a seat that was unwinnable. Um, Although I I later found out that that's what they tell uh, all all political parties, tell all candidates, uh, unless they're super, super key. Yeah, don't worry. You know, we just need somebody to stand. Um, But then so I went to the selection meeting and I didn't get selected. And and, um, at that point, when I didn't get selected uh, as a Leo, I was like, my my pride was like hugely, uh, the whole ego thing went, what do you mean you don't want me? And I went from not being that interested to being like majorly interested. So, um, so yeah, in the end, in the end, I did get selected uh, and and, uh, one was C and that was back uh, all the way back in uh, 1999. Um, So yeah, no, a, a while ago now. I wasn't in politics. I wasn't doing anything involved with politics. I was working in the West End as a uh, um, as a lighting engineer in the West End. So that's what I was doing. So nothing to do with politics. Wow, that sounds really varied. And what was the main driver for you to stand for election to your council? Yeah, so I think what was interesting is although at the time I wasn't doing anything particularly community orientated, uh, when I was younger, I had been um, sort of on the periphery of 
um, sort of uh, some work that was going on in uh, the town uh, that I live in, um, and um, and yeah, so so there was a there was a sort of driver in so far as you know I I saw that there were things that we could do, some really exciting uh, changes that we could make, and yeah, that's been like a driver up until today. You know, I'm 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 more of a person that likes to move on rather than sort of stay still, to be honest. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who, you know, in a similar way to you, feel very passionate about what happens in their local areas and they'd like to make a difference, perhaps as a councillor or others who are looking to get into local government as a career. What would you say to those who are looking to get involved in local government? Yeah, no, so look, I think there are there are two parts to this. I think the, the, the first part is, I, I, I think there is... Um, uh, no more nobler calling. Uh, I, I think, you know, for most people, although if you read the newspapers or you watch TV or listen to the radio or, you know, watch, listen to podcasts even, you know, l- lots and lots of talk, most of the talk, when we talk about politics, it's national politics. For most people, it means very, very little to them. And actually, the things that mean most to them, so when you open your front door, do you feel safe? Is the place clean? You know, all of those sorts of things. People don't necessarily automatically recognise as being politics, um, but are, they are, you know, and, and, and you know, most people have a view on what happens outside their front door. And, um, you know... Uh, much smarter people than me will 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 talk about that and and say you know um you know that is that's where real politics is 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 where you are and i think over the last year in particular i think i've definitely seen people much more focused on you know the things that they feel that they can control and i think that's been a long time in coming in so far as you know, the whole world, you know, globalisation, all of, I think people feel that that actually their opportunity to control any part of their lives now is, is probably pretty limited. But this last year, people have really woken up to the fact that actually, like I say, that stuff outside their front front door, the environment that they're in, you know, do they feel safe, all of those sorts of things they've suddenly realised, well, hold on, I might not be able to control, you know, uh, whether I've still got a job or not, or, you know, all of those, you know, global economics, all of that, you know, the environment on a global scale. But actually, I can, I can make a difference in a really small way on that stuff. And, um, and we need to tap into that. We need, we need to tap into that. Uh, and that, that sense that people, um, uh, yeah, a, a, a more sense of belonging and a more sense of community and a and a more sense that that's rooted in place. Yeah, definitely. We've certainly seen people a lot more rooted in their community than ever before. Um, and it would be really interesting to just understand a bit more about what you do as a councillor. Could you give me a typical day in the life of Peter Fleming? So, I mean, it's it is it is it is different. So, I, I think there there is a. There's a difference between being a, a ward councillor, which is what I am first and foremost, uh, and then a leader of a council or, or, or a councillor with uh, with special responsibilities. I think as a ward councillor, 
um, it's really interesting. I mean, you have got to like people. We are in a, we are in, we're in a people to people business uh, at the end of the day. If you don't like people, uh, whether you want to be an officer in local government or uh, or a councillor, it's probably not the career for you. Um, and uh, yeah, so so you got to love people, and and people, you know, people will stop me and have a conversation. Uh, my friends will say, you know, if, if we're walking from one end of the high street to the other, which would normally take about five minutes, it can take 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, my dog has now taken to, as soon as I start a conversation on the street, lying down, because he knows that we're not going anywhere. You know, it's not like we're, there's no point pulling. There's no point staying stood up. I'm just going to sit down or lie down because, frankly, we're going to be here for 10 minutes. You know, I can do everything from having a conversation uh, as I've just come on uh, off of uh, a conversation about sustainable transport um, to um, uh, an economic development conversation to uh, a projects uh, conversation to whether we should build uh, buy a, a building as an investment. Um, uh, and all of that could be within a, an, an hour. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, you know, we, we have 400 staff and we, we deliver just over 70 different services. So it is pretty broad. And, uh, you know, I know it's an it's a old phrase, isn't it? You know, no two days are the same, but no two days are the same. Uh, and, you know, that's the, that's the interesting thing, the thing that keeps me interested. Yeah, I think slightly an unfair question to ask, perhaps as no two days are the same and it is such a varied role that you have. Um, and I'd like to move on. You've touched upon council services. Um, I'd like to learn a bit more about councils, uh, how they support communities and, and the services that they provide. People have varied perceptions of councils and the jobs that they do. Um, I think it's fair to say normally people may associate them with the obvious services, such as collecting bins, fixing potholes, that kind of thing. Um, but they do do a lot more, don't they? Yeah, and, and and I think what's been really interesting is over this last year, we've seen councils of of, of all flavours. And of course, the, one of the great things about uh, local government in uh, England in particular is, you know, councils are very different, you know, structures are very different. Uh, different councils do, uh, do different things in different parts of the country, which is absolutely fine. Uh, I think this last year has been really interesting as councils have done, I guess, what they normally would do. So all of those normal services, whether that be, you know, benefits, payments, environmental health uh, visits, um, housing, planning, uh, transportation, all of you know, bins, all of that stuff. And then layered on top of that, you know, we've had um, councils uh, responding um, after a bit of a false start from government uh, who said that, you know, council, don't worry, councils, you won't have a role to play. Uh, less than a week later, you know, frankly, guys, uh, it's all down to you. <laughs> it's uh, like, like, could you just do everything from uh, delivering food to uh, making sure that vulnerable people are supported? Um, so, yeah, I, I think if if anything, and I, and I hope that government uh, remembers it, although governments of all colours have very, very short memories, uh, that actually, you know, local government turned that round incredibly quickly and continued with the day job whilst overlaying uh, with enormous community support. I mean, up and down the country. But yeah, I, I, I think people people don't understand what councils do. And actually, uh, I guess there's an argument to say 
you know, th there are very few universal services for councils. Um, bin collection is probably one of them. Um, that it's the one service that everybody gets. Um, and then the other ones tend to be a little bit niche. And and I guess that in turn has a problem when, you know, I, I look at the county council in my area where we have a two tier system of district councils and, and county councils where a huge proportion of their budget is on, you know, adult social care, sort of looking after adults with, you know, you know, real, real needs uh, and uh, children's services. Well, actually, when you break that down, they're probably delivering those services to less than 5% of the population, but it's costing probably about 70% of the overall council tax. Um, that's a really difficult conversation that I don't think anybody's really having with the public about, you know, how much services cost and, and where, those, where those needs are and, you know, uh, how services are organised and how they're paid for. Certainly, and I think that moves us on quite nicely to a conversation around the challenges that councils are facing and particularly the focus on funding. Yeah, look, I mean, we, we can't downplay uh, the scale of the challenge facing local government. Uh, £6.5 billion funding gap uh, by 2024-25 uh, just to keep uh, the show on the road. So just to keep services uh, pretty much status quo. Uh, going forward. So, you know, an enormous challenge for local authorities, one that cannot be met uh, simply by uh, council tax, uh, much of it coming from the increasing pressures around adult social care and uh, children's services costs. Uh, we need to find a solution. And, you know, when I say we, uh, it's we alongside government uh, and also uh, the country, you know, we need to explain what this gap is, why it's important to uh, to find a way of funding it, um, and and yeah, and and that's what we need to do. And 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 it is a bit of a platform, you know. Twenty four, twenty five will come round incredibly quickly, and the gap will only keep growing uh, if we don't find a solution to those what seem at the moment intractable problems. So it sounds like councils do a lot more than I originally thought. 800 services sounds like a huge amount of work and councillors, like Peter, have a big role to play. Getting the right people elected is important and the only way we can play a part in that is through our vote. I wanted to explore this a bit more. I caught up with a woman who has had her fair share of encounters with councillors. I hope she's read the standing orders. Jackie Weaver joined me to talk more about why it's so important for us to vote in the upcoming elections. Hello Jackie and thank you so much for joining me today. So to start with could you please give me a brief introduction about yourself and also touch upon how you initially became involved with local government? Hello Esther. Um, I guess the problem of asking somebody my age for a brief introduction to your life is there's quite a lot of life to tell you about. Um, I've been involved with local councils for the best part of 25 years. Um, I've been in, involved in three different capacities. I've been a councillor, uh, a parish councillor. Um, I've been a clerk um, and now I am a county officer. And what has kept you on this career path throughout the years? What motivates you to work in local government? That's a really interesting question, Esther. I, I, for me, I think local has a lot to do with it. 
Um, and I think that I kind of prefer the word democracy rather than government. Um, I guess for me, um, government has more of a feeling of, of party politics about it. Um, and my interest um, is really more about local communities and helping people to do what they think is right for their, their local community. I do feel very strongly that in local democracy, there's a place for everybody. Um, you know, it's not, um, you know, you don't have to get involved by being a councillor. I tried it and it, it isn't for me. Um, have to talk, had to talk to and be nice to too many people. <laughs> I decided it wasn't for me. Um, and, you know, for me, it was about finding a job that was was interesting because it's varied, but also where you could actually see that you were making a difference. I don't change the world. I don't profess to change the world. But in each small community, it's really good to see that you've had a part in, in making something come to fruition. That's what keeps me involved. That's something I can definitely relate to as well. And that's sort of why I started my career in local government on the graduate scheme. And despite everything being online due to the pandemic, you know, I've been fortunate that I've had the opportunity to speak with students and young people over the last year um, in sort of virtual careers fairs and talk to them about what it's been like to work in local government, particularly in these really strange times. And Jackie, I'm sure you're expecting this to be mentioned sooner or later, but you're very well known for a particular parish council meeting that went viral. What was your initial reaction to people suddenly talking about a parish council meeting in their front rooms? My very initial reaction was probably terror. Um, I mean, the actual meeting had taken place on the 10th of December and this was now the beginning of February. So we've had Christmas, we've had Covid, we've had birthday parties and Christmas, you know. So, so much had gone on since then that my first thought was, what have I missed? You know, there was clearly something about this meeting that was just like, you know, so shocking that the whole world's interested in it. So I got out the recordings and watched them again. I just didn't get it. I really didn't get it at all. Um, but fortunately, I didn't find anything in there that I hadn't remembered. <laughs> That's very fortunate indeed. And in that viral clip, we witnessed you calmly facilitating the council meeting despite some extremely aggressive behaviour. Are all council meetings like that? Oh, goodness, no. No, not at all. I mean, I I wouldn't have survived 20, 25 years of it if they if they were. And nobody would want to be involved in parish councils if, if that was the, the general experience that you had. No, my experience of parish councils is that they're, they're usually, usually, um, better behaved, um, probably because they are your neighbours. Um, but what we saw that night was exceptional. I mean... In many ways, um, the role of the councillor is as much or as little as you want it to be. So as a councillor, you do have a duty to attend meetings. You do have a duty to read the papers, to read the standing orders, of course, and to understand them. Um, and to um, fill in a register of members' interest, saying that you will abide by the code of conduct for members. And, and that, in a nutshell... It is what you are obliged to do as a councillor. But if we want to go on and become a really good councillor, 
um, then I would hope that a large part of that doesn't take place in the council chamber, but takes place outside of the council chamber in the community that you propose to represent by talking to people, by finding out what their interests and their concerns are, by letting them know what the council's doing. And on that note, I'd like to move on to discuss the upcoming local elections, which are taking place on May the 6th. This year's local elections will see everyone in England having a ballot of some kind, with many places having multiple ballots taking place at once. This is unprecedented. Please could you tell me a bit more about the upcoming local elections and the impact that they are going to have on people across the whole country? Again, I think we're back, Esther, to the problem of it being confusing. Um, I know that there has been an enormous push to encourage people to to vote. And like I you know, said to you when I was referring to the, um, the not-so-good councillor, um, you know, I, I, I get very angry i guess that is the right word um you know when members of the public contact because they they sometimes think that we are a regulatory body for for town and parish councils we're not um and you know they ring me to tell me how how awful their council is um and every now and then i can't help myself from being a bit naughty and saying and um, have you stood yourself esther <laughs> for this awful council that we might want to change oh i don't want to do it okay Interesting point. Um, So I kind of feel that, you know, you don't get to bitch about things if you're not involved in them. So that one of the things I've been saying over the last couple of months is even if you don't feel that being a counsellor or any of the other roles that we've spoken about is for you, the least you can do is make your views known. And the way we do that is through the ballot box. And a lot of people may only vote in general elections. Could you just explain the difference between general and local elections and why it's so important to turn out in local ones as well? Yeah, I mean, if anything, Esther, I think it's more important to turn out for uh, for local ones. But again, you know, you are talking to me as an advocate for town and parish council, so you'd expect that. Um, I think there's almost something simpler about national politics all you need to know is what color okay it, it, it seems as simple as that you know just pick a color um i'd like to think that you pick them on the basis of part of um policy i'm not always convinced we do um so you know you just go and you you know you pick your color and, and off you go you kind of immediately understand what it is you're voting for in local elections um you're more likely um, to be voting for someone whose colour you don't know. Um, so really this is going to, you're expecting um, the community to know what that person stands for. And we're not always very good at canvassing as um, local councillors. So you don't always know, um, you know what that person represents. But actually, it's probably the local um, elections that are going to have far more impact on our lives than the national politics. So that's why I think it's even more important that you vote locally. And I don't think it matters what party. You should be voting for the person that you think encapsulates your views. And do you think there's any audiences that are underrepresented and if so, why is it so important for them to turn out to vote? 
I think um, there are fewer young people um, registered to vote, although I believe a lot of work um, has gone into trying to encourage them. Um, the reasons why, I have absolutely no idea why young people are not. I guess, again, um, that it's about whether or not they feel that their vote will make a difference. Now, all I can say is that I don't know if your vote's going to make a difference. But I do know that not voting makes a difference. And it's not a positive difference that it makes. So if if you are a young person and you um, you see something in your community that you you want or you want changing or you want more of or less of, then the way to see that change is by voting in your local elections. And we hopefully will see the change before you are no longer a young person. So there we have it. From the Britney Spears of local government herself, it is vital we have a say and use our vote in the upcoming elections if we want to make a local change. My chat with Jackie did get me thinking more about diversity in councils, local democracy and politics in general. I wanted to find out more about how councils are working to encourage diverse audiences to get involved and what more needs to be done to ensure everyone's voice in the community is heard. I caught up with Lord Simon Woolley, director and founder of Operation Black Vote, to hear more about this. Simon, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Could you please begin by giving a bit of an introduction about yourself, your name, your title, and a bit of background to Operation Black Vote? Um, Simon Woolley, uh, now Lord Woolley of, of Woodford, for the past, I think, 18 months. All new, all exciting. Um, but I'm also the CEO of Operation Black Vote, and we celebrate uh, 25 years uh, this July, so in a couple of months' time. Very excited about that. It's been a long journey, um, but one that is um, that we can be proud of, having made the big changes that we've made. And Simon, fast forward those 25 years, what has Operation Black Vote achieved so far and what are your hopes for the future? Well, when we started, there were four black, Asian and minority ethnic MPs. Now there are over 65. Um, so I'm proud of that. Oh. I'm proud of the fact that when we had a, a four-year campaign to, to encourage our communities to become magistrate, over 150 decided. We, we nurtured them. It was a magistrate shadowing scheme. Um, and uh, in that four-year period, 150 magistrates started and have given about 1,500 years of public service in the courts. Gosh. Um, that now we see city mayors, Sadiq Khan, supported by Operation Black Vote, um, Marvin Rees uh, in Bristol, the first... The first um, directly elected mayor of, of uh, African descent in Europe. And, you know, both of these individuals, uh, Sadiq and uh, Marvin, uh, sons of Commonwealth um, children, uh, running cities that made their wealth from the enslavement of, of Africans, from the colonisation of their countries. I mean, the significance, Esther, cannot be more profound. The evidence, the overwhelming evidence 
uh, not just from the left, but from the right and from the centre, unequivocally says there are still systemic problems and they need systemic solutions. And Simon, you've touched upon, you know, the inequalities that prevail in society. I'd like to move on to talk about representation of diverse communities, particularly given we've got the local government elections coming up on the 6th of May. Um, So would you say that there's an issue with diversity in democracy? There's a massive challenge about diversity in a local democracy. In some respects, Esther, local democracy is more important than the national Westminster. I mean, clearly they're both important, but often local democracy is more immediate. Yeah. Um, your schools, your play spaces, um, the, the health care. The, the, there's so many facets to local democracy and it works best when it's, when it's inclusive. Uh, when it's representative, and it isn't. It really isn't. Uh, But we can do something about it, but we need to be honest. Uh, One of the biggest problems in local democracy is the fact that so few people engage uh, in voter registration and voter turnout. I mean, turnout in local elections is, what, about 30%, sometimes even lower. I think the police and crime commissioner elections uh, sometimes fall as, as low as 10%. Mm. So there are big questions about our society that um, it is, I wouldn't say politically illiterate, I, I, that would be unfair, but politically not bothered. And, you know, would it be fair to say that councils could do more to encourage diverse audiences to get involved? And how do you think they could do this? I think local councils could be, could really be really be engines of change, um, but they have to recognise, look at themselves, look at their own senior teams, uh, look at their chambers, and say, "Wow, look where the gaps are." So, what are we going to do? They say that our doors are open, but it's not enough. It's not enough because the cynicism of many communities, including white working class, feel what's the point in engaging when the people that are making these decisions don't care about me. Actually, Esther, that's precisely why you should be involved. Yes. (laughs) Because leaving it to people that don't care about you is not a good plan for democracy. It's not a good plan for your children's education or housing or health, as a matter of fact. Um, But it's getting getting the citizens to realise that they are the democratic masters. Um, uh, And recognising that those in the council chambers, the local council chambers, are the democratic servants. And you've been instrumental in transforming the ethnic and racial makeup of councils over the years. Do you think we're seeing a slow improvement? Oh, it's, it's, it's a slow improvement, but I'm impatient for change. Uh, you know, I, because I know that the change that we are talking about will transform people's lives. Yeah. Uh, will save lives. I mean, we've had a, the most shocking global pandemic and we've seen that the health inequality gap has meant black, Asian and minority ethnic communities, individuals have been dying, literally dying, at a higher rate than they should. Because two reasons. One, because of um, social determinants They've been overly exposed to the disease. Zero hour contracts, care workers. If you don't work, you don't get paid, right? Mm. But the other factor is 
is that in the inequality of health where you have long-standing persistent um, diseases uh, that they're not addressed so when you catch this disease you're more likely to die yeah. uh, um, so getting this right not only saves lives but I want to be more than saving lives what we should be saying is after this awful pandemic we should have the biggest the greatest political conversation we've ever had in society ever and that we tear down the barriers we unleash the talent we give people hope and and an opportunity that they can be the very best they can be they can do they can do anything i mean you know only in a, only after a crisis like we've had which is almost like wartime 1945 can yeah. you be as big and bold as your imagination allows you to be because people like after a world war are ready to say we can't even go back to the way we were because that weren't great mm. so i get a bit fed up when i hear people say we need to build build back better i don't want to go back i want to build new better and what can diverse audiences bring to local politics well it's not just black and brown faces in high places it's not just about women uh, in high places i think they have to have a sense of purpose they have to have a sense of it's not about me 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 if you want me 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 go on big brother or or britain's not got talent because it's, you know you're you're about wanting fame but if you want to change the world if you want to inspire a generation then you say how can i put my shoulder to the wheel that's going to make a difference and if we can nurture people like that um uh, with integrity with ethics with the sky's the limit what can i say uh, and you know f quite frankly after the year we've had uh, we need vision we need passion we need those young young men and women uh, black and white and and older the older generation too to feel that that there's a there's a a wealth of opportunities um, that is only stilted by our imagination and finally simon why is it vital that diverse audiences get involved with local politics and vote in the upcoming elections? Well, I cannot tell you enough. I mean, we saw hundreds of thousands of young people, black and white, your age, Esther, taken to the streets. Some got arrested, crying, pleading for a more hopeful future that our education can be inclusive, that we can learn that the, the past, the awful past, still influences the present. And our campaign with Saatchi and Saatchi, you, you may have seen the video, oh. as in a sense, it shows all the, the Black Lives Matters. Was all that for nothing? Yeah. And, it's, and it is all for nothing if you, if you don't pivot to politics to register and to vote, that, that date's now gone. But you still have to vote on May the 6th. And don't wait to think, well, they need to come to me. No, you go to them. You find out which of the political parties uh, will best serve you. You start making demands. 
and saying, you get my vote, but I want this, this and this. That's how politics works. Those that stay at home get nothing. Those that stand up to be counted can forge a brave new world. Speaking to Peter, Jackie and Simon, I realised that councils really do a lot more than we think. They touch every aspect of our lives and that's what makes these elections so relevant and important for everyone. The elections on the 6th of May give us an opportunity to have our say on the things that impact our lives the most. The local things you may not even notice, like our roads which help us get from A to B. Our parks and outdoor spaces that have been a godsend this year. And our high streets, which have recently opened thanks to the help of councils across the country. Even working in local government, I have learned so much from speaking to our guests today. I hope you have too. Until next time, I'm Esther Barrett and I hope this has helped you to forget what you think you know.